Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello and welcome to Lucha of the Hidden Temple. My name is Dr. Nove and this is your Lucha Underground review for the week of January 21st. And it was a eh, alright episode of Lucha Underground this week. Let's get into the show grades. First, in ring. I'm going to give this week a C. It wasn't bad. Nothing was standout bad and all of the matches were actually well worked. More or less. But this wasn't exactly a barn burner episode there was nothing that was really must see here I think that last week's encounter between King Cuerno and Drago was a hell of a lot better than this week's encounter between King Cuerno and Drago which is a shame because this was supposed to be the blow off and last week was supposed to be the setup everything else was sort of paint by numbers I will say in terms of narrative that this week I thought it was a B they got a lot of different pieces into play so, just talking about some of the things that we saw this week. We saw Big Rick effectively turn face. It wasn't really clear that he was going to turn face, but now he has beef against Dario Cueto, and he's got beef against the crew, who weren't doing anything other than just kind of hanging around Big Rick. And this faction has sort of existed in a vacuum, and they don't have a real point because you have Cage there now. So how many guys can go after Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo? And if you're really going to send that many guys after Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo, and you're going to have that many people on the heel side of the roster, how the hell are these guys surviving? You know, you have Mil Muertes, you have Cage, you had Big Rick, you have the crew, just a lot of people on one side of the ledger. Moving Big Rick over makes sense. And I think that it could lead to him and Johnny Mundo having something to do. No Johnny Mundo on this episode this week on Lucha Underground. What else did we advance? Pentagon Jr. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? The Asian woman was out in the audience. Commentary missed the call here and didn't speculate it or didn't speculate with it. But it would have been good to see Vampiro catch that because at one point... Stryker actually asked Vampiro, what does Pentagon Jr. need to do to make it to the next level? And Vampiro doesn't have a good answer. He actually just kind of fumbles around. Commentary this week. I'm going to give it a D. It wasn't bad, but uh, it it wasn't good. Uh, Anything else in narrative that we advanced? Sexy Star Mariachi Loco. This was just sort of a throwaway match. Sexy Star won. And King Cuerno versus Drago. This was probably the second most important advancement, but I think it's good. It's moving King Cuerno up the ladder. He will eventually have a title shot at Prince Puma. It makes sense. 
Cuerno defeats the dragon. Next, he comes for the puma. So, you know, presumably, I, I, didn't, I haven't looked at spoilers. I haven't seen any spoilers for this. I'm assuming that Prince Puma will defeat Cage when he finally faces Cage. And then after that, King Cuerno will show up. And this really did a good job of establishing Cuerno as this guy who was willing to go to great lengths to beat his opponent. So that's why I gave the narrative stuff a B this week. Let's talk about commentary, though. It wasn't nearly as bad as last week, but I just stopped the recording to go back and transcribe out this interview between Vampiro and Cage. And what I did is I just cribbed out what Vampiro's, we'll call them questions, are to Cage. You've got this attitude. People in the back say you aren't happening, man. I am almost your fan. You took out Puma. That wasn't a question. That was his second thing that he said to Cage. You have only been here a week. What makes you so sure you are going to dominate? It's one thing to dominate. Retaining the title is what this is about. Wait, what? We're already talking about Cage defending the belt against future challengers? What? Let the guy win the title. That's it's It's a weird line of inquiry. But are you seeing the point that I'm trying to make here? These don't federate together in any sort of string. So off of that, he goes, the only thing I see is a kid with big arms and an ego. That's almost a word-for-word transcription. And then he goes, I'm not trying to push your buttons. Who is Cage in 2015? Convince me you are the guy. And then at the end, Vampiro goes, much respect. The intensity is at an all-time high at Lucha Underground. Cage is a future champion. This is just a string of babble together and I think that is my problem with a lot of what Vampiro does in addition to dead ending on commentary and he wasn't all bad it's not that everything he does is bad for for instance this week there was a point where I thought that he really did his job nicely where someone took I believe it was a neck breaker or a back breaker and Vampiro described how that backbreaker hurts you in your lower back. And what was funny is he asks, I believe he asks Stryker, do you know what that feels like? And Stryker does the wrong thing and goes, yep, which is is not the right answer. But then Vampiro picks up the ball and runs with it. So good on Vampiro for that. But I just am not enjoying his stylings on commentary. I don't think it helps. I, I feel like the commentary's direction is so meandering in a product that otherwise is pretty tight. The in-ring action, what what's happening in the ring, it's very deliberate. We're telling very specific stories and we're moving in very specific directions. The production, the backstage stuff, the interviews with Queto, even the way that storylines get paid off when you watch a number of episodes... This is a very well-woven show, and commentary feels ad hoc a lot of the times. It doesn't feel like there was a whole lot of planning or thought that went into the commentary at all. Let's get into some of my show notes here, and then I'm going to probably cut out a little bit earlier than other episodes, just because there's not that much to say uh, about things other than I think that the narrative advancement was good. The first match was The Crew versus Masquerita and Pimpernella. I liked this match. The Crew had to cheat to win. I I don't know that cheating to win is probably the best usage. I think that actually The Crew going over Pimpernella and Masquerita would have probably been the right call. 
Big Rick comes out. He gets a cigar to the eye after telling his guys in the crew that he is going to come after them. Everyone wants this gold belt. Let's talk about the belt. So now we're putting the belt over as this thing that really, really freaking matters. And that's cool, and I get that. But the Battle Royal just sort of happened. You could have even had this crew turning on Big Rick during a tournament for the title. Water under the bridge, but worth revisiting and considering. It was a really nice 3D into a code breaker or like a modified 3D that instead of a cutter ends in the code breaker. I liked that. And after that, we had Superfly versus Pentagon. This was a pretty good match. I liked this. I think Pentagon... The problem with Pentagon at this point versus King Cuerna, which is an interesting comparison, is that Pentagon Jr. is kind of over with the fans. When you see these crowd react shots, they're kind of 50-50 on the guy, which is weird because considering that Pentagon has actually been the more dastardly of the two, Cuerno is just relentless. He's kind of a jerk. He's a hunter. But he's not... I mean, even you know this last man standing match, is that cheating? I don't know. Your mileage may vary. You may think that was cheating. I don't know that I necessarily think that's cheating in a last man standing match. I don't really know that I like last man standing matches. Actually, wait. I do know that I don't like last man standing matches. Point being, I think that Pentagon Jr. needs to get moved definitively to one side or the other. And even his little catchphrase, uh, Cerro Miedo, which means no fear... That's kind of a baby face type of slogan. And he's kind of cool looking, even though he's like scary. He's like evil Skull Man, like Skull Man from Mega Man. People like Skull Man. You get his shield, right? I think Skull Man gave you a shield. Anyways, I I like this match for what it was. Uh, It was about Pentagon kicking Superfly's ass, although Superfly got a little bit of offense in. The commentary speculated what would it take for Pentagon to get to the next level, and I think the answer was in that establishing shot in the crowd where we saw the mysterious Asian woman she came out. There's this thing that happens in wrestling that I noticed during this match that happens in other you know, venues and context, and it just sort of irks me, which is babyface is appealing to the crowd, and it costs them opportunities, and their opponent gets the upper hand, and the heel gets the upper hand, but it's really the babyface's fault for being a dumbass and appealing to the crowd in the first place. I don't know, I just, I don't like that spot. It's just a random note. After that, we had Sexy Star versus Mariachi Loco. This happened. You know... There was a point where I felt Sexy Star's selling was sort of all over the place. And I think it's only notable because normally I don't notice those sorts of things. But Mariachi Loco, I think, slapped her real hard in the corner. And she's on the ground. She's, like, swooning. And then she gets back up and sort of Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan's up. And that felt forced. Not forced. There was a big dichotomy. And I didn't enjoy the match sexy star is fine but what is this woman's purpose in the company i could see her as a viable tag team champion i think that if they establish a lucha underground tag team division sexy star and a man winning matches as the tag team champion could be credible for a while that could be a fun run after that we had a stipulation match that had a logical build and the stipulation had some weight even if that stipulation was last man standing. 
So before we even get into this, let me explain why I don't like last man standing matches. I think it's fairly succinct. It kills pacing. You are sitting there watching a dude count to 10, and there's a big spot, and then there's a 10 count, and it's a slow 10 count because it's not an immediate 10 count. What it is is they do a big spot, and then there's some walking around, and one of the wrestlers looks at the referee and is like, you fucking count that 10 count, man, and then the referee starts counting the 10 count, and it's this long, exaggerated process. And I did that the long way to show you how I feel every single time I watch these last man standing matches. This was a good match. If I could like somehow watch it on fast forward and fast forward through the 10 counts and just get to spot to spot to spot. The only spot that I didn't love love was the throw of the hunt through the table. Not the spot itself, but the fact that the spot was kind of forced. The setup looked clunky I I don't I don't really have any better way of putting it you have Drago on the ropes and he's kind of clutching King Cuerno and then King Cuerno just deadlifts him and I get it guys there's suspension of disbelief all over the place Chris I I know I know I know this was just glaring and the Irish whip is fake I know shut up shut up I've heard you you said you said your piece We we need to move on but I thought this match was good It established King Cuerno as the clear victor. It's not clear to me whether or not we're going to see Drago again. The commentary was a little all over the place on the narrative with this. At one point, they said this was going to settle the score. That set it all up. And then at the end of it, Stryker is like, do you think this is over? And Vampiro's like, no, this isn't over. He'll be back someday. Well, it's got to be one or the other. It It can't be both. And... It's weird that they didn't decide which one they were going with before they did this episode. So there you have it. Kind of a innocuous episode of Lucha Underground. Not bad. Not good. Kind of a skippable one. Sorry if you're listening, producers. But I, it just wasn't It wasn't up to snuff, especially compared to last week. I thought they did so many great things last week. Hey, a quick plug for the 2014 yearbook that Voices of Wrestling did for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Are you into Japanese pro wrestling? Do you have an interest in Japanese pro wrestling? Do you want to understand New Japan? Well, that was like a really awesome time to do it because last year there wasn't this Access TV stuff and commentary in English with Mauro Ronaldo, who's doing a really great job with that. I hope I got his name right. Did I get his name right? I don't know. We'll find out. This is a great time to get into Japanese pro wrestling. The the roster is really great over there. The product is clearly moving up, and the production values are moving up. The Voices of Wrestling New Japan Pro Wrestling Guide is a wonderful way for you to bone up on the past. And if you kind of augment that with watching some of the New Japan Pro Wrestling that's being put out on Access Television... And, you know, stay current on the current product and follow Voices of Wrestling. You can get up on this Japanese pro wrestling and conquer the language barrier. And it's totally worth it. And I just want to say, in case you think that Rich or Joe wrote me any sort of copy or any sort of mandate at all to say this, they haven't. I'm just telling you that I think this is a good idea and you should do it. If you enjoy the Voices of Wrestling product, hell, if you can tolerate me, then you should definitely partake of some of the better stuff on Voices of Wrestling. And that is the New Japan 2014 yearbook. I want to thank you all for listening. Hit me up on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. That's Chris Nobembrino. Until the next one, cheers.
ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProRisu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise, and now he's bringing that savings to you. With over 300 items to choose from, ProRisuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, the Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan, with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in ProRisu merchandise across the world, the choice is clear. ProRisuShop.com that's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U shop.com. ProRisuShop.com. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.